we live our lives at a suffocating pace, don't we? We're frantic, we're moving, we're always on the go. And then the morning comes, right? And you're laying in bed, you're still in a deep state of sleep and dream. And what, be, what happens in the morning? And immediately, right, like your heart just starts pounding, doesn't it? Immediately your heart is racing and then we're off to start the day. It's like the starter's gun going off. And we're off to the races. And it's like, you know, we're going, we're trying to get ready. We have that morning routine down, right? How many of you know exactly how long it will take you? What's the absolute last minute you can get out of bed and be at work, like, right spot on time? How many of you got to figure it out? Let's be honest, right? Now, I'm kind of curious. How many of you actually get to work a little early? Just to, like, to be early, couple of you. All right, a few of you. That's good. That's good. See, most of the time, we just get going, right? We have that routine down. We want to squeeze as much sleep in as we can, and then we're going, and we're just, you know, getting the kids ready. We're trying to get them to school. If you got kids at home, you know that morning routine is crazy. You're trying to get everything just right. Then you're rushing through rush hour, trying to get all the right turns and hit the lights the right way. You know, I get anyone like me gets really impatient with really long lights or people who don't turn, you know, on the right-hand turn when they can't. You're going, come on! Anyone relate with me on that? Yeah, yeah, all right. Good, I'm not the only one. And then we go, and then we get to the office. We get to work or wherever it is that you, you work, and, and now there's schedules. There's demands. There's timelines. There's, there's things you have to get done, projects you're working on. Keeps going. You get back in the car. You get back home. It's rush hour on the way home. Now it's trying to get dinner together and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that, oh, okay. We can see, how many of you just wanted to check your phone just now? Everyone's reaching for their phone, right? But we go at a quick and we go at a frantic pace. And we come home and now we're getting kids ready. We got school activities. We got all kinds of stuff happening. And then we get to bed and we plop down and we're tired and we're exhausted. There hasn't been really enough time. And we only do it over again the next day and the next day and the next day. Do you ever wonder why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> Why do we live at such a frantic pace? I mean, if you ever noticed, I don't know, our house, we have clocks everywhere. We have a clock. <laughs> We're a watch. Always want to know our phone has a, has a time on it. We're just so driven by this time, and it keeps moving, and it keeps clicking, and the days and the weeks are just planned full. Right? Schedules and calendars are so full that, that we, we don't even know if we have enough time to do anything. And when somebody asks us this question, how are you doing? A lot of us will answer a quick fine, but the other most common answer is this. I'm busy, all right? Ever hear that one? How you doing? I'm busy. And here's the way we say it with kind of two little parts to it. One is a little bit of a sigh, like, I'm busy. But the other part of it is a little bit of a pride, right? A little bit of a you know, badge of honor, like, I'm busy, like, I'm important. I have a lot of things going on. And, and then secretly, I think we all have this kind of thought, like, oh, I know, and the other person says, you know, I'm busy too. And, in, and what are you thinking in your mind? You're not as busy as me. I mean, if you knew my life and if you knew my schedule and my boss or if you knew my kids and the way things are going, I'm, real, I'm sure you're busy, but I, I'm busier. And we, we wear that as a badge of honor. We think somehow when our life is full, when our life is packed full, that that's a great thing. And we pursue that. And then we, we kind of just go, you know, like, ah, yes, I'm busy. But at the same time, we start feeling the effects of that, don't we? We start feeling spiritually just empty. But first, it begins physically. Physically exhausted, we're physically spent, and we're just trying to get through the day. 
And emotionally, there's no reserves left for us as we engage others around us. Sometimes we get short in our temper and our anger, or maybe just we just want to withdraw from people. Mentally, we disengage. comes at that price. Financially, we're strapped because we're, we're just spending money trying to pursue all these different things. In the end, our soul is what really suffers, right? That spiritual emptiness, we, we lose touch with that. And then these little things enter our lives. Recognize these little evil things in our pocket? There's so many great things and so many good things about this, but we live our lives tethered, right? You we all heard that term, tethered. We cannot get away. We are no longer disconnected from anything and everything around us. Anyone? How many of you right now, how many of you have not checked your phones since you've walked in here today? Oh, look, you're so proud. Yeah, we did. We, you know what? Other times in the day, you couldn't have done that, right? Right? But I mean, we fill every spare moment with these, with these phones. And this is what our life begins to look like. Maybe you recall this parts of this commercial from a few years ago. Take a look. are going to grow up thinking and remembering this position from, of mom and dad, right? Like this is their image that they remember of, of parents. And we, we are so tied into these things. I looked at some statistics and it said this, that the average user actually checks their phone around 110 times per day and reaches for their phone on average at 7.31 in the morning to check personal emails and Facebook before even getting out of bed. Many of us pick up our phones more than 1,500 times each week and the average owners use their phone for three hours and 16 minutes a day. And four in 10 users admit to feeling lost without their device. <laughs> How many of you have ever turned around, right? You cannot leave your house without having that phone, right? You recognize that? How many of you can't even go in the other room sometimes? You leave the room like, oh, forgot my phone in the other room, right? And so, you know, this isn't just about the evils of the phone, but part of it is we're talking about this life that we are compressing, and life is busy enough as it is with these big chunks of time between family and meals and, and work and play and all these different things, but then we have all these little windows throughout the day, and we even fill those little spots by going on to the phone, by watching TV, by listening to music, by turning on, you know, some other distraction. And we're also, we're all of a sudden just filled. And I ask myself, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we live at such a suffocating pace? Because in the end, there is no breathing room, no quiet, no silence. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you were just completely still? completely quiet, just sitting somewhere or standing somewhere in silence. Now, not watching TV, not headphones in, not talking to somebody else, not writing or journaling or anything, just sitting silent and sitting still. When was the last time you did that? Most of us don't even go to the bathroom anymore without our phones. 
Am I talking to anybody? <laughs> that one quiet moment where we get some of our best thinking, right? And we don't even, we even fill those spaces with, with, with stuff. And our world is just busy and full and frantic. And, and we just keep going and we keep going and keep going. So what I want to do this morning, we're going to practice here 60 seconds of silence. Okay? I just want you to sit and I want you to breathe and just be still for these awkward 60 seconds. All right, think we can do that? Let's try it. All right, here we go. All right, that was one minute. Did that seem like an eternity? <laughs> 30 seconds, I was like, <laughs> it's only 30 seconds. I'm timing it here. I mean, at one minute, at one, at one hand, it seems like we have so much time. And other times we think about a minute and it goes so fast. But it's not easy to sit still. We want to reach for a phone. We maybe want to do something. We want to talk to somebody. And, and what we're going to talk about here in these next several weeks is how do we slow down? How do we create breathing room just to hear ourselves breathe, to give room for God to work? Like I said, this crazy pace affects us, affects us at all levels, and we're going to talk about those over these next several weeks. What is the effect on us physically by running at this pace, and how did God design us to not live like that? What happens to us emotionally? How do we create space and allow God room to move in our lives emotionally, financially, how do we allow room for God to speak through that so that we are not at the suffocating pace where we just have no room, even financially, to do anything? And finally, in all of this, how does God begin to fill us spiritually so that we can have room in our souls, that we can feel God breathe again and feel our souls come to life? And I know this is like graduation weekend and we're thinking about all the different um, activities that are happening. This is a great message and a great series for those that are just uh, entering into the workforce or entering into college because what's going to happen over these next several years is the opportunities are going to keep coming to fill your life full. And this is a great time to speak and to get into that, into that rhythm. So let's, let's just prepare to what God has to, for what God has to say for us and let's bow our heads in prayer for just a moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for this space that creates breathing room for us each and every week, this rhythm of coming into this place to worship, to create some space and to create some time for you to speak. And God, that's what we're asking you this morning. Would you just speak into our hearts, speak into our souls this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at uh, Mark, the book of Mark, Gospel of Mark chapter 8. And here Jesus is speaking, and, and this is going to, because we're going to look at today 
you know, why are we living at this frantic pace? What's behind that? What's driving that? What's, what's fueling that? And then what are we going to do about that? And so uh, here we get, begin to get a little bit of an insight in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus begins to, I think, tell us some important words here. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over and listen. And he says this, If any of you wants to be my follower, he told them, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? And that last part of that verse is what I want to focus on, actually even throughout this whole series, is and how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? So what's behind this drive to live at the suffocating pace? Because our world seems to be saying, go, go, more, have more, do more. What's driving that? And what's driving us to fill even the little spare moments that we have, to fill it with these distractions of, of social media and engaging with others on Facebook or Twitter and, and checking emails and, and trying so desperately to be connected with our world that in the end we don't even know what's left inside of us. Sometimes I think it's just distraction. Sometimes I think it's just that we don't even want to deal with what's around us and so instead of really dealing with, with the hard issues inside or with, with some of the bigger things in life, we just distract ourselves. And we feed on like these little sugar cubes all day long. <laughs> right? Instead of a nourishing conversation with somebody, we feed on a Facebook conversation. Instead of really, really maybe engaging in a book and feeding our soul and our intellect, um, getting deep into something, we just settle for little blogs and little snippets and little quotes taken out of context here and there and little videos. And we get through the whole day. It's like an addict, just little by little by little. We make it all the way through thinking we've nourished ourselves, but in the end, our soul is what feels empty. And we've not really dealt with the things that are deeper, the things that really move us, the things that bring nourishment. And what I think it says here, when, when Jesus is asking this question, he said, what good does it do you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul in the process? And I think this is a scripture, this is a, something that, that, that moves all of us right now. We're trying to gain the whole world, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We want a lot out of life. We want to experience the good things. But it's driven by more, this gaining I want more. I want to have more. I want more experiences for my family. I want, to, I want to do more. I want to experience more. I want to see more. I want to connect with more people. I want to have more money. I want to have more house. I want to have more vacations. I just want more in my life. I want more of the good things. I want more stuff. I want more TV to look at. And it's driving us for more. I want success. I want to have more position and more authority, more power, more reach, whatever influence it is. And not all those things are bad things. But what happens is in the pursuit of more, we crowd out the right things. In the pursuit of more things, we crowd out the right things. And instead of, instead of looking at those things that really nourish us and that feeds us, we're pushing all this other stuff aside. And the first thing that gets affected the first thing that gets affected is our soul. So it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost, and the first thing that gets affected is our soul. Because here's the thing. Our soul is buried beneath layers. Right? Our soul is not the thing that's right out front. Right? Physically out here, emotions out here, activity, the things we do, they're all out here, but our soul is buried beneath layers. 
And what we tend to do with all this activity and all this stuff is that we keep putting stuff on top. We keep piling stuff on top. So how do we get in touch with our soul when all this stuff is over us? And what it begins to do, it feels like a weight on our chest. It's like trying to breathe with a ton of bricks, and we can't breathe. It's like shallow breaths. And we're getting suffocated by this pace that we are living at. So what's God want for us? What is God trying to accomplish in our life? And he said it in that previous verse. He says, if you want to be my follower, set aside your selfish ambition. But he says, if you want to have true life, that's what we're pursuing is true life. And I think we mistake true life for more, for just having more and more and more and crowding more and more in. But God is saying, look, you want true life, it's going to be found in your soul. It's not going to be found in gaining the world. It's going to be found in your soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. Like oxygen to the lungs, God's spirit is to our souls. Like oxygen to the lungs, that's God's spirit. That's God's spirit to our souls. That's what nourishes us. That's how we breathe that in. But it's, God, it, it's God's spirit that gets crowded out through the fullness. And here's the interesting thing. Everything else in our world is screaming for our attention, right? Notice me. Look at me. Watch this post. Look at this advertisement. Watch this commercial. Come to our event. Do this. Sign up your kids. Buy this new product. I mean, it's like screaming at us for attention because whoever screams the loudest gets our attention and maybe gets our money and maybe gets our time. And look at this vacation and come here and do that and buy this car. And it's like trying to yell for attention. And what I find is so interesting is that Jesus has nothing to do with that. God does not speak in that way. God never yells. He never shouts. He never fights for that attention. If you want to pursue that, if you want to go after that, if other people want to yell and scream and get your attention, he says, no problem. How does God speak if he doesn't fight for your attention? There's a, there's a story in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning at verse 9. It's about a man named Elijah. And, and, and Elijah goes to a cave on a mountain, and he spends the night. And it says, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? So here it begins saying, the word of the Lord came to him. So he had this, this impression. It doesn't say how the word of the Lord came to him. But he had this sense that, 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 that God is saying, what are you doing here? He's asking this question. What, what am I doing here? What is this all about? And what does he do? He retreats to somewhere. He goes to a mountain, and he goes to a cave. Now, so you have to hike there, you have to get there. Obviously, he didn't have cell phones or anything else to be connected at that time. And he's making his way up to that mountain, and then he's at the mountain. And then it says, Then the Lord said to him, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. So here's the promise to Elijah. Go out, get in the mountain, get out in nature, and just be mindful. The Lord is about to pass by. God's coming by. So if that comes to us, we want to listen in. We want to see, okay, I want to hear God. How many of us want to hear God? We want to know what he has to say to us, right? And so here's the instruction. Go and listen. And so Elijah is attentive, sitting there in the cave on the mountain. Then it says this, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Yes! Mighty wind, rocks shattered. God, you're powerful. But then it says this, But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. I mean, the, the whole mountain shook. And if you're Elijah, you know, we're sitting there thinking, this surely must be God and, and demonstrating his power again. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
it says. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I mean, this is interesting, isn't it? I mean, we want to hear God. I think all of us want to connect with God because our soul, remember at the heart of this is that our souls are feeling empty, that our souls are the things that are being crushed by all of the activity, by all the noise. And in order for our souls to breathe again, we have to allow God to speak into that. And yet he's not going to compete for that. But he's going to come and he's going to speak in a gentle whisper. So we have to learn how do we create space for God? How do we slow down enough to listen, to get quiet and to let God speak into our lives. So that's what I want to talk about in the remainder of our time. How do we do that? As we start this series, how do we just begin to create space? Here's the first thing of two things. First, we must be intentional to create space. We need solitude. You must be intentional to create space. And secondly, we need to be still and listen in that space. We need to create space, and then we need to be still to listen. Now let me talk about creating space. As I said earlier, our soul is deep. It's buried beneath many layers. And the one thing you can't do, see, you're not going to walk away from here with another to-do list, something else you need to add on to what you're doing. Because you can't get there. And some of us are so motivated in a way to say, like, I want to deal with some soul issues. Tell me what to do. What's something else I need to do? Let me read more. Let me do more. And what I'm telling you in this series with Breathing Room right now is you need to do less. You need to create some margin. You need to create some space. But it's not something you can add it's something you need to take away from your schedule. What do you need to remove? I remember where the first time in my life where I kind of realized that I couldn't keep adding things into my schedule was actually when I was in, uh, was in grad school. And I was at a, an undergrad, and I was interacting a lot with what was happening in the, on the campus. And, and I remember like just thinking there's all these good things at that time in life. And the grads that are here, you, you recognize when you now, after high school graduation, have this control over your schedule. And it's like, I can do this, and I can do this. My whole day isn't just classes, right? When you're in college, you have lots of breaks. And now you can do maybe a, work a part-time job, and you can play this sport or this intramural or this activity. And I was doing that, and I was like, this is great. I can keep adding all this stuff in. And I remember it was just a subtle little thing, but my schedule was full, and the opportunity came, came to play some intramural basketball. And I thought, I really want to do that, but there was no more room for that. And it was a good thing, and it was a fun thing, but I remember just that, that small moment of going, I can't fit everything that I want to do into my life. Because eventually, you keep squeezing that in, you're going to crowd stuff out. And you have to create space. You have to eliminate some things to make room. I remember when we used to be in, in youth ministry, and, and we asked some of our student leaders to be involved in our, in our student ministry. And of course, those that often want to be in, in leadership, even as students, they're already doing great stuff all around in their schools and, and in the community, and, and they're, they're highly motivated in that way. And one of the things that we challenge them with is to say, what's one thing that you can give up in order to serve here. We don't want this to be another additional thing. What's one thing that you can eliminate, and they have to write it down, they have to identify it, so that they could serve and give the best of their energies to, to serving in this leadership role. And that was so hard. But it's a principle we need to learn, is that we don't allow the best things to be crowded out by the noisiest things, by the most demanding things. And so we have to be intentional, and we have to create space. Now, when you leave here today, we're going to give you a very, very tiny gift. 
And it's a tiny gift, and it's like this size. It's a little sticker dot. Yes, little sticker dot. And you'll notice where I put it. <laughs> I put it on my phone. And you can put this on your phone, or maybe you can put it on a watch you wear every day, or maybe you put it on your computer or on your TV, but what is it that is distracting you often? What is it that you're filling even the small spaces and time, and what if we made an intentional effort, even just as a small first step to create some space, that we begin with the smallest portions all throughout the day, that when I pick up my phone and I see that red dot, that's a reminder to me, stop. Hold up. Do you really need to check your phone right now? Can you leave it there? Can you put it in the drawer? Can you go spend time with your family? My wife is probably going to start nodding on that. Can you engage with your kids? Can you just go to the restroom or go to lunch or not freak out because you forgot it and just create some space? So you, t you, you see that dot and you say, stop, be still, and listen. There's stop, drop, and roll if there's a fire. This is stop, be still, and just listen. You don't have to do anything. Just stop, be still, and listen. And maybe in those moments, maybe to start creating some of that space for God to, to speak, you start with five minutes. Five minutes. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's during your lunch hour. Maybe it's in the evening. If you have a house full of kids, I know it's hard to find a quiet place and time. Maybe it's before or after, before they get up or after they go to bed. I mean, sometimes it's, it's in your car. You have to like go into your garage or in the car, right? Don't leave it running with the garage door closed, you know? But go in there. I remember like even sometimes dropping the kids off when I did the carpool where we used to live and I'd go just before the, where I'd work out and I'd just sit in the car for about 10 or 15 minutes and that was like a quiet place for me. And it's a place where I'm not asking you to fill it with other stuff. I'm just asking you to sit and to be still and to listen. Don't reach for the phone the first thing in the morning. What about reaching for your spouse, <laughs> reaching for your Bible, reaching for your kids? Maybe that quiet space is to go for a hike or to go for a walk without headphones <laughs> and just to listen to nature and just to sit and to be and let God speak. Here's another little practical tip. Social media, if those of you who are social media junkies, maybe we go on a little fast. Maybe we just take a month off. Or maybe you just moved that app like I did this past week or so. I moved that app instead of my home screen. I moved it to like six screens later. So it's not just that little notifications, tell, you know, those little notifications that pop up. You've got email. Oh, somebody just liked your picture. Who was it? What'd they comment? What'd they do? What'd they say? Remove that and you'll realize that hours can pass and you can check it later. And you begin that with those little spaces that begin to create some time. So that's what we must do. We must be intentional to create space. Begin with a few minutes. Begin with the little moments throughout your day where you're prone to turn on the TV, the radio. Maybe just sit in your car and turn the radio off. Any of you guys do that? That's a crazy thing. <laughs> no talk radio, no music, just quiet in the car. I did that the other day. I was driving. I was like, oh, this is so nice. And then you know what happened? Without me even noticing it, I turned on my radio. And I was like, what did I just do? It's so programmed, it's so a habit to sometimes want to fill those silences that we just need to unprogram ourselves. So the next part, create the space. The second is be still and listen. Psalm 46.10, a well-known scripture says this, be still and know that I'm God. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Be still and know that I'm God. But what do we do? We get active. We get moving. We get busy. We go to conferences. We try to read. We try to you know, meet with other people and 
And we wonder, why, why am I feeling empty? Why am I not feeling fulfilled through this? Because at the core, God is not going to yell and fight for attention. Be still and know that I am God. Now, first, when you sit there in those silent moments, like we did for that minute, you might start twitching. You know, it's the DTs. You're detoxing from all the noise and all the silence, and it just takes a little bit of time. You might be reaching you know, for your phone or the remote or the headphones, the music. Just be calm. One of our challenges, I think, that we think that, that silence equals boredom. We don't know how to be with ourselves, to sit with ourselves. When we're in a waiting room, when we're, we're waiting for something, we're waiting for the copies on the copier, we, we need distractions. But it but in those moments, we have to learn to be comfortable with ourselves, and that's the hardest part. And I think we're afraid to just sit with ourselves and with God because I wonder what God's going to say to you. Listen, listen to this. Henry, Henry Nouwen wrote, wrote, said this about solitude. It's a place of conversion, the place where the old self dies and the new self is born, the place where the emergence of the new man and the new woman occurs. That's the place of conversion. That's where God begins to speak. That's where God begins to give us ideas and creativity or he begins to say, hey, deal with this in your life. Have you thought about that? It's in that silence. Another uh, priest, his name is Richard Rohr, he wrote, solitude is a courageous encounter with our naked, most raw and real self in the presence of pure love. Solitude is a courageous encounter with our naked, most raw and real self in the presence of pure love. Just to sit there in the presence of God, to let our soul begin to breathe. This isn't a time where you need to pray and, and, and tell God things. Maybe you just ask God at first, if it's hard, you go, God, why is this so hard? Why am I not just able to sit quietly in your presence? And then maybe you progress to questions like, God, what do you want to say to me? God, what do you want to say to me? I'm here, I'm listening. So, as we begin this series, that's the simple challenge. We've got to create breathing room for God to work. We've got to create this space to be still and to know that he is God and let him speak into our lives. So, get still, get quiet, find that space, and then just simply say, God, would you speak to me? And then just imagine if we are not people that are just living at a suffocating pace, but that we have a rhythm where God is, 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 is guiding us, is speaking to us, is, is nudging us in the right direction. We're going to become spiritually alive through that process because God speaks through his Holy Spirit and breathes life into us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the space, as I said earlier, God, a time to listen to your word. We want to hear you speak to us, God. And I pray that you would give us courage this week to make some decisions, to create space, to say no to some things, to turn off some of the technology that is constantly blaring into our lives and just leaves us hollow, God. We want to dial into your spirit to be renewed, to be strengthened. Amen.